Hey guys, welcome to Retrograde. Uh, this is a little disclaimer at the beginning of the episode before we get into it. Our Willy Wonka episode is so jam-packed with reactions and special information that we decided to split this into two parts. Two scrum deliumptious parts. Yeah, do you know how much the raw audio is, Austin, for Willy Wonka? Uh, I'm going to say three hours. Four hours. Wow, where did the time go? Exactly. There's obviously going to be a lot of editing, some conversations that we're going to cut out because, you know, but we really gave some really good reactions to this because I've never seen this. You love this film. And at the end, we talk about we compare it to the 2005 version directed by Tim Burton. So, hey, man, just make it into two parts. You know, people love people love part one, part twos. You know? Yeah. Zack Snyder's doing it with the Snyder cut. That's that's four parts. Harry Potter. Last book was split into two movies, you know? So if it worked out for Warner Bros., it worked out for Zacky, why won't it work for us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is this will be way, way shorter than, than the Snyder Cut and probably more enjoyable. I don't know. I haven't seen it. We'll see it in uh, uh, how many? We'll 19 see. days, I think. Yeah. As of recording. As of recording. <laughs> but again, thank you guys for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And tune in next week for the second part. That's right. You don't have to wait two weeks for the second part. You just got to wait one week. We're going all out for Willy Wonka. All out for Willy Wonka. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our special episode of Willy Wonka. See ya. Your move, creep. You should back, Freezer. You go, Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. It's the only thing I know how to do. Good looking boy. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. That's right, boy! Welcome to Earth. You crossed the line. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Retrogrades, the podcast where we talk about older movies, how they were received, how they were made, and whether or not they still hold up. I am Austin. And I'm George. So I was looking at my calendar today, right? Mm-hmm. And like the dates seemed off. And I saw that we were we were scheduled to record something today. Turns out I was looking at last year. Oh, well, what, what, what happened last year? Last year on this time is when we started our podcast. Oh, shit. <laughs> October 7th? Um, October 12th, but it's close enough. Like I just uh, wanted to okay. bring it up now. Okay. October 12th, 2019. Ah, what a year, right? It's been a nice. year. <laughs> yeah. I'm thank, thanks for letting me know. I had no idea. Honestly, it I didn't even know really when we started recording. Yeah. Today's movie, we were talking about um, the 1971. To date, this is our oldest movie on the podcast. Uh, 1971's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Directed by Mel Stewart. Written by Roald Dahl, D-A-H-L, who also wrote the book. Yeah. Do you not, are you not familiar with Roald Dahl? No. What? No. I wasn't uh, too big on reading when I was very, very young. <laughs> yeah, I but, got into it later on. But this but is the dude that wrote Matilda. He wrote the I never BFG. read Matilda. And <laughs> also, I've never seen the movie. Yeah. Wow. Never seen Matilda. Probably a good one that we should watch 
on this podcast. Yeah. I all I know about Matilda is Danny DeVito's in it. He you're directed big. it. You're, uh, I'm big. You're small. I'm smart. You're dumb. <laughs> yeah, I remember that the scene. Film. What? Uh, I know it has the cute little girl, um, and I know that it features the teacher villain who looks really, really awful. Yeah, and that's she, about it. And she, I just know what they look like. Yeah, I know about the scene where she grabs a girl by her pigtails and like swings her around. I only know about that scene because of all the gifts that have been around because of it. <laughs> I have yeah. I have used that gift, but not really knowing the context. I did. Oh, you used that gif on me. And you haven't even seen the movie. Wow. The audacity, right? The audacity. <laughs> Holy I, shit. Dude, it's, it's very weird because growing up, there was a lot of things that like I did see, but uh, equally a whole ton of other stuff I've never seen. Like growing up, I saw The Matrix, RoboCop, a lot of stuff when I was young. Never saw Matilda. Never saw Willy Wonka at the Chocolate Factory. Just a bunch of shit I never saw. And I'm just playing catch up. I guess we'll talk about our first memories with the film. Yeah. I'm still bugging out that you've never read a real doll book. Uh, I I have not. Uh, I'm not I'm not familiar with the name at all. Ha- have you heard of James and the Giant Peach? Oh, isn't that an animated film? A stop motion one? Part of it is. Like when he goes into like the peach world. I that's something. a film I remember vaguely. Yeah. But I'm assuming that he wrote that. Book. Yeah. He also okay. wrote the book for Fantastic Mr. Fox, which was okay. Her, yeah, and he wrote this book called The Witches, and they're recently turning that into a movie with Anne Hathaway, right? Yes. Going on HBO yes. Max. Okay. Yeah, you see in the posters around for it, like all over LA right mm-hmm. now. Uh, the first time I saw Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, I think it was on TV. And you know how, like, you know, cable channels will play movies and you got, like, sit through the commercials and everything? Yeah, I, I remember seeing it on TV. And I remember being really attached to the music. I love the music. And I love the, the character, the Willy Wonka character that Gene Wilder plays. Mm-hmm. My dad, my one of my dad's favorite movies is Blazing Saddles. <laughs> um <laughs> And I remember watching like a bunch of Gene Wilder movies close to the same uh, period of time. Like I, I remember seeing Blazing Saddles and I remember seeing Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and Young Frankenstein, like all within like a very short period of time. Because I remember, I don't know, I don't know. And I think there's that Richard Pryor one too. I remember seeing See no evil, hear no evil. Yeah, but it was like the TV Edit, I don't know, I, I don't remember that one at all, but I remember Willy Wonka. Um, yeah, so like the music stuck out to me and the character that he played. That's what that's the left a lasting impression. It's, and then they made that the the Tim Burton one with uh, yes, um, with Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, and I remember not really liking that one. Not, <laughs> I mean, like I like Tim Burton movies and I liked Johnny Depp as an actor then. But I don't know. It just—I think it was the change to the music that was just like, I don't like this. This isn't the real Willy Wonka, and he wasn't trying to play Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka, which is fair. But I, I don't know. Just something about that movie was like, I don't. This isn't the real Willy Wonka to me. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because I have almost the, I have everything you just said. I almost had the inverse experience with. Wow. 
Because I didn't grow up with Gene Wilder films. I didn't know who he was for the longest time. And I'm talking past high school. Wait, so when he died, were you like, who's that? No, no. I knew who he was. Okay. Uh, I think it was like in 2012, 2013, I watched Young Frankenstein for the first time with my roommates. And then we wow. saw Blazing Saddles. And then a few other films, but I still haven't gone deep into his filmography. And I just recently saw Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory for the first time. Like this past weekend, like four days ago, <laughs> I saw for the first time. Damn. And as a kid, I got shit on a lot for not knowing what that movie was about. Wow. I remember one of my one of my earliest memories was being in the Cub Scouts. I was in the Cub Scouts, and then my troop leader, I think Diane was her name. <laughs> I just remember we we were like at a camp camping trip, a uh, jamboree. I don't know what the I don't know what it's called. But uh, we were talking about movies, and I think she was singing a song. And I was like, what's that from? She's like, what? You don't know? It's from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. She was singing like, I've the, never seen that. the In With Me. I can't imagination. She was saying something. Maybe she was quoting the film or singing it. But I, I was like, I don't know what that is. And she's like, you haven't seen Chocolate Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? She's like, that's a classic. So I, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Um, I was like, maybe... 10 11 oh man oh, i was uh, what Dude, i don't know oh my god so you're 10 or 11 right you're yeah. born in like 92 93 90 i keep forgetting i'm sorry you're born <laughs> in 93 you're 10 i don't years... know what year you're born <laughs> all right fair um you should know you should know my birthday uh, <laughs> I, it's hard man years are hard yeah so 93 that movie came out in 71 that movie came out 21 years ago. How would you... It is like a big cultural... It left a big cultural impact. But reasonably, like, why would you have seen a movie that was 21 years old? The only way I saw films was through my parents. Yeah. Mostly my dad, because my mom hated watching movies. So it was really through my dad. What he saw, I saw. Mm, and things that same. he saw growing up, I saw growing up. And Did he not see that movie growing up, you think? I don't know. I don't think he might have. He might have, but he might have just not had the chance to rewatch it. Mm -hmm. um, when we went to Blockbuster, we always saw the new releases, and very rarely would we go back and pick things from the past. Mm -hmm. You know, so we would always go to the new releases. Do you remember Blockbuster? How it on the uh, next to the walls there were like the new releases, the yeah. things that had come out in the year and the previous year, and in the middle aisles there were like the old shit, and then like mm -hmm. the the uh, genre the genre. The genre stuff, yeah. horror. We always went through outside. The more I grew up, I started going through the aisles. Mm. But at 10, 9, 8, you know, 12, I was in the outer aisles. That and in the video game section. Yeah. Only the video games. I was like <laughs> rent, just trying to rent every video game I could. There wasn't really a sense of wanting to explore outside of what was happening in the contemporary times. Mm-hmm. So there was no real reason to see Willy Wonka. And Willy Wonka wasn't something that we actively spoke about in yeah. the schoolyard. It was... Mm. It That's was, crazy, though, because like, you see Willy Wonka memes all the time. Memes. But back then, there, well, was real, there were no memes. The, but None Yeah, but those memes come from people our age, right? So they've well, seen Willy Wonka. Oh, yeah. But... but Maybe at the time, there was no real reason to bring up Willy Wonka. I think with memes, it's like someone has something, they want to be sarcastic. 
is like, okay, how can I express this in a funny way with a picture? And someone came across that picture of that that Willy Wonka of Willy Wonka. They're like, oh, wouldn't it be funny? We didn't even really think about that though. If we wanted to be sarcastic, we were just sarcastic in the moment. And so there was really what we only spoke about in the school in in school was like wrestling. There was no real reason to talk about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory amongst my friends, and I only first heard about it through my Cub Scout master. The one that shamed you. Um, and even then, eh, kind of. But I mean, it's also one of those things where it's like, how yeah. have you not and seen it? I think it's film? also the kind of a thing where it reminds you of your age. Like, I've seen that movie in my childhood. How come this kid hasn't? Oh, because he's young and I'm old. And then you take out that aggression on the kid who's like, what's Willy Wonka? <laughs> Well, I think she was just more surprised mm-hmm. than anything. She's like, oh, my God, this is a classic family yeah. film that you haven't seen. It's like yeah. you're missing out. I mean, um, no lie. I had that same reaction when you told me just now. About Matilda. Yeah. And it's it's funny because, again, there was no real reason to bring up Matilda back when I was a kid. But enough people have seen it where it's like, oh, my God, this is part of my childhood. That being said, I would have that same reaction if someone was like, oh, I haven't seen, you know, Indiana Jones or Star Wars. I'd be like, what? Under what fucking rock have you lived in? <laughs> yeah. When, right? When people I, tell me they've they've never seen Star Wars, I feel like, A, I could never date you. And B, <laughs> we'll, we'll never be like, I don't know. I feel like there's there's like a, it's like, I can't really relate to this person on some level it's hard to relate to them at least in the in a cultural in a nerdy kind of cultural way yeah because there's so many memories that are attached to star wars and not even the films but like the experience of going to the movies or playing with the toys or yeah, something dude. or like grabbing two two sticks and or grabbing the broom and like having a fake lightsaber fight with someone and then accidentally hitting the lamp oh my god causing your mom to whoop your ass <laughs> Oh man, yeah. I remember I remember we got the double bladed lightsaber from the, the Darth Maul one. And then one of the things broke and I was so devastated because that thing was expensive and there's no way I was getting a new one. Oh, and it made the sounds when you hit it. Oh my god. Oh no. See I I I had to deal with broomsticks, branches. <laughs> oh man. And yeah, I broke a lot of stuff. Oh, I remember the the first time I went to Leanna's place, my, my girlfriend's place for listeners that don't know. Um, she has this this Star Wars stand and like she had all the toys that I had playing, like all in the original packaging. Oh, that's damn. that's when I knew, man. <laughs> damn. Cause, well, and that's the, that's the, that's how powerful some of mm. these older films are. Yeah. And I mean, granted, Willy Wonka is no Star Wars. Star Wars was marketed, the he- like it was marketed the hell out of you know. There weren't how many chocolate factory toy toy setups did you know were, were sold? Not well, they many, did. But they you- did do those the the candy right. Like you've had nerds before. You've had the the taffy. You've seen. You've probably seen the cartoon Oompa Loompas on the packaging. Yeah, yeah, I've, I, but that's the thing. I knew about nerds, but I didn't know that they were attached to a film. I just thought Willy Wonka was a brand like Snickers and Crunch and mm. um, all that. So I just thought, oh, it's a name. But then you find out, oh, no, this is tied to a character from a book, which was made into a film. I did, however, find out about 
the property or I, I had my first experience with the property a few years later after my Cub Scout master had told me about Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory. And you had you saw it as well. It was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, the Tim Burton one. So that was my first in, actual introduction to the to that universe of Willy Wonka. How did you feel about that movie? I loved it. I thought really? it was great. And I was a big Tim Burton fan too. Um, See, I would never have guessed that because you were mad about Mars Attacks budget. I didn't know you were. T- <laughs> I didn't know you were a I, Tim well, Burton I liked fan. Mar- I liked Tim Burton. Mars Attacks was one of the films that I didn't see. That was okay. Return- and I, I still haven't seen it, but I saw the original Batman when I was young. Yeah. And I adored it. I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Batman Returns. Uh, Edward Scissorhands. Which uh, um, what else? Your nightmare or not the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas, which at the time I thought he directed. I thought he had a bigger. Uh, I thought he directed it. He right? didn't. He no. Tim Burton didn't direct what? Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, but it, on the top of the box it said a Tim uh, Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, but he never directed it. Someone else did. Did he write it? I think I know for a fact he produced it, but mm. I he may have written it, but I don't. He he definitely did not direct it. Well, he did Beetlejuice, right? that was another one beetlejuice uh i actually i don't remember watching beetlejuice Mm. but i know i did because my parents were like you annoyed us so much about that movie (laughs) i was like i don't remember it's like oh my god you would say beetlejuice 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 and like you loved it but you also hated it (laughs) oh my god i don't but i don't remember seeing the film (laughs) or i don't remember remember as a as a kid seeing it mm. i remember no, seeing so- the man this we could go on like a million tangents off of this because i remember the the cartoon the beetlejuice cartoon where we know a writer's character was friends with beetlejuice do you remember the cartoon Mm-mm. i didn't even know there was a cartoon <gasps> what the fuck <laughs> the beetlejuice yeah beetlejuice oh my god it, it, man when we do beetlejuice like we I'm assuming we're going to do Beetlejuice, right? Like we have hey, to. At this point, we have we to. We have to. Um, and when we do Beetlejuice, we can get all up in because it's so crazy. There was cartoons for movies that, you know, had been out, had been a thing. And they're like, let's try and do a cartoon. You know, there's that cartoon for Ghostbusters. There's that cartoon for Beetlejuice. There's a cartoon for Little Shop of Horrors. There's a cartoon for Starship Troopers. I have not, no idea that any of these cartoons existed. So wild. The, and I missed all of these fucking cartoons. Dude, and they made... All of them. You don't have no idea. Like, when I watched the Starship Troopers cartoon, Dizzy was a main character, you know? So I was, like, devastated when she died in the movie. I'm like, she's not... She can't be dead. She's in the show. Wait, she's, so when does the show take place? It's like some, like expanded universe like non-canon thing <laughs> where she lives where they none of them ever die it's it's wild um but back to, to tim Bur- tim burton tim burton <laughs> oh so there was there were a ton of tim burton was a name that i was familiar with mm-hmm. um as a kid like i yeah. became very aware of who tim burton was uh-huh. and yeah like um there's just some things that because i rewatched the original and i really loved it it's a lot funnier than i expected a lot funnier. yeah 
Um, but there's some things from the Tim Burton one that I really enjoy and I kind of missed mm-hmm. when watching the original. I was like, oh, I kind of wish they had kept that. My favorite um, thing was when he was doing a tour of the world and you just hit the camera pulled back and he thought he was going through a, a museum with the flags. Do you in remember the Charlie in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Yeah. In the I Tim Burton one. Oh, that, that it's, it was like a flashback. Well, we, there was. The, we have the flashback to when he's picked when he's meet where he meets the Oompa Loompas for the first time. No, it's a flashback when he was a kid, and uh, Chris, oh, what's it, Christopher Lee, Count Dooku is, is yeah, the, Count Dooku. <laughs> Count Dooku is like sends him away or whatever, kicks him out of the house, and then he he goes to see the world, and he's like talking about all the countries he's seen, but it's and you see the flags, and you think it's some kind of like montage. But it's really him in a museum and he's walking by the flags of those countries and then they kick him out. See, I, I can't remember that. I'll that part. Yeah, I'll that part. We watched both of them, Willie and Charlie, just to c- compare the two. I remember the, the cover of uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Effect, the DVD cover. Yeah. And he's posing like all like, who is this guy with the bob cut, you know? <laughs> I remember I remember my sister grabbing the DVD for Amelie and then showing showing it to me like look Willy Wonka <laughs> cuz if you look at those covers look at the covers they're very similar they have a very similar What's the same vibe. pose they're yeah. looking they're looking down to the right of the case and they're like they're very pale and they have like short bob cuts and they have this like <laughs> weird smile it's like a smile, but not a smile. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least his is. His, it's a smile, not a smile. Hers is, like, I think, a smile, but... Like, I, I said that, like, oh, Johnny Depp isn't isn't my Willy Wonka. So how did you feel about Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka? Did you... F- I liked him. Okay. I liked him, but I definitely thought that there were moments that he was kind of a prick for no reason. Right. Or, in the context, I was like, he's being unnecessarily strict. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the Johnny Depp one, I got the impression that he he was just very... He didn't know how to communicate with people. Yeah, and then you, you, they go into his backstory and everything, so it like and it makes explained, sense. Exactly. It makes a lot more sense. His background... like he act, He's an actual character, and he has background, and he has baggage, and that kind of... To me, one of the biggest parts about the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was when Willy Wonka tells him, hey, come live with me in my factory, but no parents are allowed. And Charlie chooses to be with his parents. And it's like, why is he acting like, like, why is Willy Wonka acting like, why, what does he have against parents? Mm-hmm. And it's because of his baggage with his dad. Yeah. And to me, that just kind of pushes this idea that, you know, really... Um, greater than money, greater than chocolate, family, mm-hmm. you know, is what really is what helps kind of complete one's life. And even though Charlie, even though Willy Wonka has money and he has one of the greatest factories of, in the planet and he's adored, you know, he still feels kind of incomplete. That made a lot of sense to me mm-hmm. watching Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So seeing that it was gone in Willy Wonka is a little strange. It's a little odd. Yeah. Um, I can I can see why you say that, but for me, I think it kind of he seems like a very mysterious character, and there's questions that you have that never get answered in the film. You never see those kids again that get 
that they, they fall into the, the the chocolate or they get uh, blown up into the like she eats the the candy and blows up not like what pieces everywhere but like she gets really big she inflates I, I kind of figured even having seen the Charlie one though I feel like I would have gotten the sense that okay they're fine they're but not you don't really see them you're just you're just going off of what he said you know yeah and they had this he the way he reacts to to the people getting the kids getting like I don't want to say killed but like them failing the test it it almost seems like he and that's should we like should I save that for when we watch the movie yeah I was gonna say let's save that for when we watch it because we should rewatch both of them I think because I feel like we need to, we're gonna eventually compare the two Willy Wonkas which isn't fair but fuck it we're gonna do it anyway so we might as well <laughs> yeah we're doing it our memories um but yeah th- I think uh, did you know that scene when he's like, "You get nothing, you lose." Good day, sir. Do you did you know that scene before you saw it in the movie? No. Wow. I, I didn't know that scene. I I feel like I've said that to you, like quoting that movie, at least three times, and now <laughs> I'm understanding that you didn't know that that was a reference to something. No, I. Okay, to be fair, though, you're throwing, like, a lot of references at me constantly. I can't keep up with all of them. <laughs> I just, you quote things, I'm like, I don't know where it's from, man. I don't know. But now I now when I hear you say that, I'll think of Gene Wilder. I definitely got the impression watching that film, like, man, like, this guy went from, like, 0 to 10 instantly. I mean, he, he had his reason of doing it, but... I'm trying to remember in what instance did I cause Austin to go from zero to ten, and then I just have a bullet list of stuff. <laughs> I have a list of stuff. <laughs> oh, I I know you do. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. In case I ever need to get George canceled, I've I've got I've got a little black book. Little is it is it a black book or is it in your is it a notepad in your book in your phone? Well. It's an ex- it's an expression, but yeah, it's a, it's a file on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh wait, if it's a little black book, because I was using that to find out if you have a black book. Because if you do, then all I have to do is find it and destroy it. Uh, well, now I gotta save it to the cloud or something. Well, now I just have to. Well, now I have to destroy your phone before you get it to the cloud. But yeah, no, I'm I'm happy I saw Willy Wonka. I kind of smiled spoilers i really enjoyed it i really liked it but Mm. i think for the second half i'm gonna talk about some of the things that me personally i'm gonna touch on some of the things that i found really funny and refreshing from the willy wonka film and how in comparing it to charlie and the chocolate factory because i definitely get the vibe that if you saw willy wonka first you don't like charlie you're not supposed to like charlie (laughs) and the chocolate factory if you saw charlie first what does that kind of do to Willy Wonka? And I kind of want to touch on that because mm-hmm. while I enjoyed it, there are some things that I felt were missing or that I felt did did better than Charlie. So I kind of want to touch on that a little bit. Yeah, and there's some stuff with Roald Dahl himself. Like, I'll tell you right now, he did not like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. He hated it so much that he didn't want them to turn any more of his books into the movies. But he wrote the screenplay. He got credit for writing the screenplay, but the other person changed a lot of things. And they added a musical. So all those songs in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory 
don't exist in well, you know, don't exist in the book. I really like the musical parts. Yeah, and that's coming that's, from that a person sense. who doesn't like that's that's coming from a person who doesn't like musicals. <laughs> like I don't like them at all. But I Willy do. Wonka, Little Shop of Horrors, these are films that mm-hmm. I dig. Yeah, and like wow. the music, dude. That that song, the Pure Imagination song, is everywhere. Like when we get into the the more detailed part, the second part of our episode, I can show you all the covers and all the times it was used and you've must you must have heard it there before watching the movie did you have right i think i know at least one instance what was the one instance it was for the when the ready player one trailer came yeah out. okay it had pure imagination and i was like i really like this song where's mm-hmm. it from and then i kind of worked backwards from there and it landed me at willy wonka yeah but i mean i'm sure i've heard that song before it sounded mm-hmm. familiar do Fiona, you know, Fiona Apple? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. She, she dated uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> that's 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 how you know. The, uh, she has she has some good songs, too, though. So I, I, I am familiar with a little bit of her music, but then also she did date <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson. Anyway, continue. She covers this song for a Chipotle ad. And it what? is. What? Yeah, it is. It is beautiful. I'm a big Fiona Apple fan. I went to, I saw her live, you know, back when concerts were a thing that you could do. <laughs> and it was, it was great. And she For was, Chipotle though? And, yeah. I had no idea. I thought it was like a Pixar short film. And then at the end, I'm like, wait, is this a Chipotle? <laughs> oh God. But the, that cover though is beautiful. My God. I love that song. Come with me. And you'll be in the world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. If you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Anything you want to do. And then, though, like, there's, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna save it for the, for the uh, second part because I could go on and on about the music of this movie and how people have covered it, and I love that song. Uh, do you think it's gonna hold up? Uh, Willy Wonka. Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get more into it, but just mm-hmm. from my first initials viewing of it, yeah, I think it's hold up. It's held up. It came out in '71, and it's 2020, 50 years or uh, 49 years have passed and i still think it i still think it holds up in some respects i think it's better than the charlie and the chocolate factory i think it's better in a lot of regard i think it's better in a lot of regards to a lot of films out right now um and i think it's creative i think in that regard but there are a couple of things that i feel are dated really in the technical aspects and in the storytelling some things that it omits um specifically willy wonka's father Okay. Which they have in Charlie. But well, we could talk about that when we come back. When we've seen both films again mm-hmm. with full context. So there's, all right, so there's some more context I'm going to provide um, at, in the second part for uh, R- Roald Dahl. 
because he's mm-hmm. a very interesting person. Uh, <laughs> um, and I, thinking about it right now, I'm like, how does he pay those Oompa Loompas? You know what I mean? Like, are they paid? Does Willy Wonka pay the Oompa Loompas? Or are, are they, they paid just... workers? Or did he, like, kidnap them from some Loompa land? And are they, like, indentured servants? Are they, like, slave workers? Like, what's the deal there? You I know, never that's... I thought about that. Did you, did you I, think? I didn't think that at all. Hmm. I, we, were, we were talking, when I saw it in the group, we were talking about how the Charlie film explained it in detail. And it has that flashback. And yeah, and the, the flashback makes it seem, first of all, Willy Wonka is not incredibly like a reliable source of information. So he might tell it like he's, you know, he's doing these guys a favor. It's mutually beneficial arrangement. But with you got to look at how he treats the Oompa Loompas in the factory and how the Oompa Loompas react and treat Willy Wonka. You know what I mean? I'll have to pay attention more to that next time. Yeah, so that's what I'm gonna. Because I got, I got the sense that he wasn't do. mean to the Oompa Loompas. At face value, he never threatened them or anything. Uh, I do remember one of the one of the parts that I laughed in the most was when, um, the girl that turns into a blue into a giant blueberry, they have to stretch her out, or they have to squeeze her, or oh no 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 no, it was Mike TV the ki- Mike TV the kid who turns tiny. They have to stretch him out to bring him back to regular size. Whispers into whispers something into Willy Wonka's ear, and Willy Wonka replies, "Oh no, I won't hold you responsible." And I just <laughs> thought that was really that was, I laughed at that scene because number one, it, it implies that something horrible is going to happen. But also number two, I just like the way he was like, "Oh, don't worry, I got you. Like I'll take care of you regardless of what happens." <laughs> <laughs> so i i mean it's i'll have to go back and rewatch it and yeah. see how he treats them but i never thought he treated them badly you know he he never treated them the way veruca treated her own father mm. so you know or how any of the other kids treated their parents so he seemed to treat them uh like they were his like he was their boss but he mm. wasn't like mush mush you know i'm excited i i'm like thinking about this movie, I'm like, oh my god, this movie's hilarious. It's so much funnier than I had anticipated. It made the viewing very, very good. Uh, I am curious to go back and watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory because I can't help, I can't help but think, if so many people saw Willie first and then saw Charlie and hated it, hated Charlie. Is that going to have an effect on me? Am I gonna have? Am I gonna go through the same thing? Am I gonna watch mm. Willie and then Charlie is like, oh, Charlie's awful, or yeah. is that first viewing of Charlie I had when I was younger somehow going to make me appreciate it more? I am. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious. Now, in in uh, retrospect, I think it was just so different, and I was like used to Willy Wonka that I didn't like it. But like thinking back on it, there was some stuff that I liked about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, you might like it going back through. Yeah, but like, there's... I think this is. I think that's how people who saw the last Jedi felt. It's not my Star Wars. <laughs> Which I mean, I guess. But it added. Enough. It added so. That's a different, different that's thing. A... It's not. It's remaking. This... Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is retelling the same story differently. But but that's my problem with especially with remakes. It's like there's a there's a sidetrack. But I mean with 
Personally, for me, if you're remaking a film, you have to validate the existence of that film by making it different. You have to yeah. do something different. Either focus on something else or don't tell the same fucking story. Because if I wanted to, I could go back and rewatch it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I don't understand. I wanted to see this and this and this and this. It's like, well, then go watch that other thing. Why'd you want to? <laughs> like, okay, I can understand video games being remade because video games were very archaic at the time. They were very difficult to handle. Limited Nowadays, by the, the resources available. To they didn't them. have the resources or the time or if video games were very hard to handle. Super Mario 64 handled great. But the bulk of Nintendo 64 games were kind of hard because they only had one joystick in the center of the fucking controller. And the games were like $80 or something or like $60. They're really yeah. expensive. And that was in like 1995 ex- money. Yeah. And obviously the graphics were different. Video games have made such a diff- have gone have been so well improved in the past 30 years, in the past 20 years. So if you remake a game, it makes sense oh, here's how we intended it, but because of the technological restrictions, we couldn't. Now I understand that some films uh, haven't aged well in terms of technical achievements, but they they weren't held back by story or anything. Jurassic Park, those yeah. some of those dinosaur shots haven't aged well, but who gives a fuck? They still look good. Like in, in composition of the whole movie, like they make sense. It, it works, you know? Point, Point Break is a perfect example because Point Break, the original kind of aged and you know you could tell they didn't have the biggest budget particularly the scene where keanu is uh they're uh skydiving you could clearly see that they're not skydiving yeah but it doesn't matter because it's still a great film you know i feel like from what i can remember the the changes that tim burton made made sense to me it was a deeper focus on charlie and willy wonka's like backstory why do we want the same thing done? It doesn't mm. make sense to me. It's like Evil Dead. Did you ever see Evil Dead and the remake? I did. They are almost completely different films, but I love that. I love yeah. that the original one is kind of uh, a hokey, fun horror film, and the the remake is a bloodthirsty, horrendous, meat cutting fuck you film you know what i mean and i love it yeah I, and that's I, I i love how like the main character she's she's an addict and her friends are it's like an intervention you know they're trying to take her away to get her off the drugs so when she, of course she's the first one to see the evil right they don't believe her they think she's she's trying to relapse and I exactly think, yeah and the original sam raimi it's kids who are going to a cabin because shooting the shit that that trope doesn't hold up as well anyway right right like i'm not saying it i'm not saying it's impossible to make a cabin film but it's gone to the point where now films are making films about how dumb that premise is yeah cabin in the woods yeah it's just it's just you have to give it a a reason you have to contemporize it contemporize exactly that's a word right yeah and one of the one of the clear examples of how they one of the best examples of how they made Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, way more contemporary, is by changing Mike TV's character. In the original, he's just someone who's addicted to TV. In the new one, he's addicted to video games. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Like, it's a small change, but it makes sense. Um, having a different interpretation of Willy Wonka makes sense. For me, Gene Wilders is a more of a mystery. He's like the the guy that leads the circus. 
He's a performer. He's a presenter, right? Yeah. I could see Willy Wonka, that Willy Wonka, host the Oscars. <laughs> I can't that. see Johnny. I right. I don't see Johnny Depp's Willy Wonka doing the same thing. If you put a spotlight on him, he's going to freeze. Yeah. <laughs> and he's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. I like that. I like that difference. It just it's a different layer. Yeah. So on about re- I know this is a huge sidetrack about remakes, but I just don't understand people wanting the same fucking thing all over again. It's not McDonald's, okay? Yeah. You what? go to McDonald's because you want the same thing over and over, okay? I I don't even know where I'm going with this. I, I get I get what you mean though. I know what you, I know what you mean. Like I think when I, you remake something, you gotta contemporize it in some way. Otherwise, why are you doing it? You know. Just just if you if you're like if you really wanted to make a cabin in the woods film, but that's and you're like, oh, well, let's just remake Evil Dead. It's like, no, at that point, just put your own spin on that cabin in the woods film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, don't just remake something. I, I don't even know where I'm going. I'm so lost. It's, it's just remake. This conversation of remakes have always frustrated me. And I think the popular opinion on remakes have always frustrated me because, you know, you need to give the artist license to change what they need to yeah. in order to make a point that contradicts or complements the previous source material. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'm I am curious to see how I'm going to react to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But, you know, I might hate it. There is still that chance. Yeah, there's. I think it's just I prefer Willy Wonka to Charlie, which which is 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 a fair statement. Um, and I think the music is is uh, objectify objectifiably better in Willy Wonka than in Charlie, because I guarantee I can I cannot remember the music from Charlie and the Chocolate <laughs> and that's the I one can't. that you liked. That's the one I like, but I cannot I cannot tell you I can't hum any of the melodies. I can't, yeah. and maybe that's just because I'm not a big musical person. Like I can't remember musical beats and stuff. I can remember a Little Shop of Horrors, but that music was great. It's written by future Oscar-winning comp- uh, composers, or I don't think the the writer got a, an Oscar, but I think Alan Menken did. All right, so let's talk about 1971 in film. You tell me if you've seen any of these movies. <laughs> All right, the, the highest grossing movie that year was Fiddler on the Roof. Never seen it. And second was Billy Jack. <laughs> never. The third, The French Connection. Heard of it, never seen it. Uh, Summer. probably do it on the podcast. Probably, yeah. I heard there's like a really cool car chase in that movie. Yeah. It's um, supposed to be iconic, yeah. but I've never gotten around to it. <laughs> Same. Summer of 42. Shit, no. Diamonds Are Forever. Oh, that's the James Bond. Yeah. I've seen that I've, shit. I've seen that one. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Yeah. Number six, Dirty Harry. Uh, never actually seen it, but I, wow. I know that's the Clint Eastwood one, right? Yeah. You feel, you feel a lunky? Lucky? Huh? <laughs> yep, that's the one. And then A Clockwork Orange. Yes, I have. And it is actually my favorite Kubrick film. Okay. We can talk I've about that it. later. Fantastic film. <laughs> There's, uh, number eight. Is Carnal Knowledge. No, never heard of it. Nine is The Last Picture Show. Fuck, no. Ten, ten is Willard. Uh, I've heard of it. I've never seen it, though. Yeah, all these, like, the Willard made nine million. The other, the other uh, nine made 
upwards of $10 million. And Wonka only made $4 million, I think. It was not really like a big hit, but... It was, it was not a big hit. I feel like people know that movie more than any of these that are alive today anyway. No, Willy Wonka is definitely one of the most popular films out of that year. Yeah, um, but it just, I mean, that's it wasn't I, very like, popular that year. Clearly, I haven't seen all of these. Films. I haven't seen most of these. Same. So it's hard to say. But I mean, people are still talking about Willy Wonka. Yeah. And a lot of people still quote some of its lines and quote some of the music. So, yeah, it's definitely one of the most popular films out of that year. Definitely. Um, it was also the year I'm looking at it right now. And it's also the year that Duel came out. Duel? The Steven Spielberg? <laughs> the Steven Spielberg one. Shaft, yep. Omega Man, Le Mans with Steve McQueen, which we just got a re- recent film of Ford versus Ferrari. Mm-hmm. But isn't it wild that in 1971 there was a film, uh, Omega Man, Le Mans, Duel, Willy Wonka, right? Mm-hmm. And look at how varied this year was in cinema. Yeah, comparing now, it's wild. If you look at the number one movies, those are not movies for kids. You know what I mean? Like the the top ten movies. I mean, no. But you you remember this is still the era of like the sixties nihilism Mm -hmm. that was present in America. I mean, you had the civil rights movement, you had feminism coming up, you had so many things happening in this era, and films definitely reflected it. Horror films, dramatic. There's just. Yeah. They were, we were out of the classic Hollywood era, but for think, sure. I think these movies, do, like, looking at these movies, it doesn't really, you don't get that. You don't get, because Dirty Harry, like, he's he's killing hippies, you know? Oh, you well, haven't seen it. Um, I haven't seen it. And uh, Clockwork Orange, the, the dude is a misogynist rapist. It's really interesting. But, I mean, the thing, but the thing is, though, those those nihilistic sentiments, they weren't I think nihilism is a good word for a good category for these movies. Yeah, well, they took on these point of views that weren't totally pleasant. They, these topics that weren't pleasant, mm-hmm. and the main characters. I mean, you Clockwork Orange, that guy is a psychopath. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Solaris is a creepy space film. Uh, oh, not really is much that the... action. I think I've heard of that one. Where he's he's trying to reunite with his dead wife or something. Yeah, you also yeah. you also have uh, THX eleven thirty eight, which is George Lucas's first film. Yep. Damn, this was a year. Wow, this was a year. Honestly, though, <laughs> look, man, I like feeling happy most of the time, and I mm-hmm. I don't think if I watch most of these, I'm gonna be feeling good afterwards. The yeah. Zodiac Killer, Solaris. <laughs> THX 1138, A Clock with Orange. What? The only film that would probably make me feel decent is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And even then, that was still a little creepy. Yeah, there's a lot of creepy stuff in that movie. All right. um, That's all we have for now. Stay tuned. We'll be back after watching Charlie or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory from 1971. (laughs) Okay. What? You said Willy Wonka and the Charlie. I heard you. Thought you could slip it, slip it past me. Okay, we'll be watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And then uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But we're going to focus on Willy Wonka, I think. Right? Well, no, no. The the bulk of the discussion will be Willy Wonka. Yeah. I just think it'd be a fun aside if we... Because, you know, 
Okay, yeah. People have opinions about both of these films. Yeah. So we're going to so we'll save that for like a little brief segment at the end. Like which one do you prefer? Yeah. See if that changes at all. Um and I do want to we'll talk a little bit about Roald Dahl and what kind of a person he was and whether or not we can see that in the movie. Either one, I guess. Yeah. Stay tuned. See you in a second. See you guys. From the pen of author Roald Dahl to the motion picture screen comes a most unusual chocolate factory and the mysterious Candyman inside. I'm so glad you could come. This is going to be such an exciting day. Gene Wilder is the mythical Candyman, Willy Wonka, and he's opening his factory gates for five lucky children who find a golden ticket. Our hero, Charlie Bucket, wants his golden chance more than anyone. Open it, Charlie. Let's see that golden ticket. Wouldn't that be fantastic? It's not fair to raise this hope. Never mind. Go on, open it, Charlie. I want to see that gold. Stop it, Dad. I've got the same chance as anybody else, haven't I? Eat your way through the chocolate room. Take a ride on the perp-powered Wonka-mobile. Float around the bubbly, fizzy lifting room. Sail down the chocolate river on the SS Wonkatania. Step on the Wonkavator and go through the roof. Destination, the scrumdiddly yumptious world of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Rated G. Hey everybody, we are back from watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And man, it holds up a lot better than I thought it would, to be honest with you. So this was my first time watching the film. Mm-hmm. And I saw it with a group of friends, really enjoyed it. I went back, rewatched Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, because that was a film that I grew up with. Really liked it. Went back to Willy Wonka. Really liked it. <laughs> so I've just been watching Willy Wonka and Charlie Factory for the past two weeks. And I really like both of them. And I really, really like Willy Wonka. I think it definitely holds up. And it's a lot better than I imagined, which I don't know why. I don't know why I was expecting for it not to. So many people had hyped it up and said, it's an amazing film. How didn't you? Why didn't you watch it when you were a kid? And, yeah. Oh, it's great. That I was kind of worried. It's like, well, there's no way that it could live to the hype, live to the expectation, live up to the expectations that people mm-hmm. have set up for it. No, it's pretty damn great. Uh, the only way that I was let down was because of my own expectations, which <laughs> were set up by watching Charlie and the Chocolate Factory first. That's a personal thing. You so but, you prefer uh, Charlie to Willy Wonka? No, I think. But I don't prefer Willy either. I think it's just... Um, you think it's just different? Yes. I think they both have their strength and weaknesses. And I could go back between the two. And I think from here mm. on now, I'm going to kind of switch off between, oh, I prefer Willy or, oh, I p- want to rewatch Charlie. Do you want to do um, uh, like a, a Charlie thing at the end? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think we should so, talk about Charlie and yeah, because... some of the decisions that they made. Because I feel the opposite way. I strongly prefer Willy Wonka to Charlie, especially after watching both of them again back to back. Like, I just there's I feel like Willy Wonka, there's a lot to to think about. There's a lot that they don't tell you that you have to um, do the work to understand, to think of reasons why. Why were these kids? How did these kids get the golden tickets? You know, were they just lucky or were they selected? And the more I watch the movie, the more I think that, oh, this was all a plan. You know, I'm more interested in the that world of uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory 
more so than the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory world. I don't like that one very much. I think it's it's like I I love Tim Burton's earlier films, but there's there comes a point where I just kind of stopped being into them as much, and I think this was when I stopped being into them as much. I think for me, I like Willy Wonka for the opposite reason. Uh, it does leave some things ambiguous, but I really just think it's the superior. It, it, I think a lot of people would really like it because it's just a lot of fun. And it has, it's like getting a hug from your mom. It's just like a warm, fuzzy feeling. And it has moments where it's a little like, well, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, it's still a great feeling. It's fun. It's enjoyable. It's easy to watch. Okay, um, so for those of you who haven't seen Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, we're, we usually do a really quick rundown of what the movie, what happens in the movie, just so you're not lost and we're talking about specific scenes. Uh, so it starts off in, man, where does it start off? It starts off in the well, candy shop, right? <laughs> well, the, build, the film begins in the candy shop with the candy man singing oh, a yeah. song. And all the kids are going around grabbing candies, you know. It's all happy, happy times. It's, and he sings see... the song, the Candyman Can, which mm -hmm. became like a hit song after they, Sammy Davis Jr. did a cover of it. And it, it was a, one of his more successful songs, I think. It's, well, it's let's, one... let's save that one for later. Because uh, we, we got to talk about the song. Yeah. And then we see Poor Charlie outside yeah. so he's looking through the window he's watching all these kids get their favorite candies and he's just like he's on he's working and this is like his his stop that on his route he's he had just, it uh, he's a newspaper he's a newspaper boy picking up his newspapers and he gets his money heads over to work or heads over works and then heads home where we meet the bucket family the father isn't the picture he's dead but there's his mom and his two and his grandparents, all four of them. Multi-generational household. Yeah, including Grandpa Joe, who plays a bigger role in this. Yeah, um, I like the names of the names of the, the grandparents. Grandpa Joe, Grandpa Josephine, Grandpa George, Grandpa Georgina. Like, it took <laughs> five seconds to come up with these names. <laughs> but it's great, though. It's easy to remember. I love it. The grandparents aren't that big of a role. At least in this one, they're not. Yeah, um, so they find out that that will he asks grandpa joe about willy wonka and he tells him a story about this guy who made these amazing candies but someone was stealing from him uh slugworth Arthur slugworth like a rival candy maker and his workers were like going over to slugworth and telling him how to make his secret telling him the secret ingredients so willy wonka <laughs> fires all of his workers and shuts his factory down but it mysteriously starts up three years later and no one knows like who's working for him and the, the, the candy's as great as ever. And one day he, it's announced that he's going to send out five golden tickets in random chocolate bars around the world. And whoever opens it and gets the golden tickets, they get a lifetime supply of chocolate and they get to go inside the factory for a tour. Uh, eventually the kids are picked. There's a huge buildup where each of the kids is picked and interviewed by the press. Each of them more vile than the last. And there's like and a weird guy that approaches all of them to whisper something in their ear. We don't know what he's telling them, but he's there at every corner, every corner of the world, speaking to these kid into these kids' ears. And then we finally get Charlie, 
and wouldn't you know it he wins the chocolate he wins the golden ticket last one in the world yeah every time he opens a chocolate he opens three chocolate bars the first two have nothing and he gets more and more depressed and sad about it and him he decides he's gonna go with grandpa joe where we get another song it's the it's the day of the uh, factory opening uh for the tour visit they go uh and then they're welcomed in by willy wonka himself and he makes them sign this like ridiculous con he first of all he he comes out pretending like he needs a cane to walk he comes out Mm -hmm. limping and then he does a roll and he's perfectly fine everyone claps um and then he brings the kids inside and they sign this like ridiculous contract that you can't possibly read but all the kids sign it. I, I even freeze froze the movie to see if I could read everything there. You can't. <laughs> uh, so the kids sign the contracts and then the tour begins and we be we open up in the room full of candy where everyone you see just how fantastic this factory is. And he sings and the song every- Pure Imagination, which is the like a super famous song you've probably heard before, even if you haven't seen this movie. Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. We'll begin with a spin traveling in the world of my creation what we'll see will defy explanation and then augustus gloop gets sucked up he falls into the river gets sucked up and he's the first kid to be eliminated and then one by Uh, one all these kids get eliminated by like doing something they weren't supposed to even Charlie, at one point, he drinks a soda that he wasn't supposed to and almost gets lifted up into a fan. But he, they figure out that if they burp, they'll come back down. Um, and then he like rejoins the tour like nothing happened. But Willy Wonka knew. So at the end, Charlie's the final kid. Every All the other kids have been eliminated or, you know, I'm saying eliminated. Like, I mean it in both like a contest eliminated and potentially eliminated eliminated. Yeah. So then... Oh, Charlie's the last one. And then Willy Wonka's like, oh, well, you can see yourself out. It's been a waste of a day in chocolate. And then Grandpa Joe's like, wait, what the hell? He goes over to Willy Wonka and is like, hey, uh, how does Charlie get his lifetime supply of chocolate? And then Willy Wonka's like, what do you mean? He broke the rules. He he drank from the soda and you, you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. And then Grandpa Joe's all upset and he's like, well... You're, you've raised up his hopes for nothing, and you're an awful man. And you know what? I'm going to go to the Slugworth and uh, sell him the everlasting gobstopper. And Charlie's like, no, that's I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give the everlasting gobstopper a, a candy that never, never goes away. You can eat it forever. He gives it back to Willy Wonka to say sorry. And that's when Willy Wonka reveals that this was all a test. Slugworth isn't real. He's an employee of Willy Wonka. And Charlie gets to inherit the factory. And they go into the glass elevator and shoot off into the sky. And the credits roll. So that's the gist of Willy Wonka. I mean, look, man, you've either you've either seen the film in either Charlie or Willy Wonka. It's 
beat for beat almost the same thing. Where they really diverge is Willy Wonka's backstory. Because Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory does not have any for Willy Wonka. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory does. I'm, I think we should just say the 71 version and the 05 version. Okay. Uh, going going from here on out. Just um, so for say so if we say 71, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory with Gene 05, Wilder, the Gene Wilder one. If we say 05, we say the Johnny. That's the Johnny Depp one. Yes. So what are, what are your thoughts? What you said it. You said the film aged well. Yeah, what about I it has it, aged well? Like the very. I always like the very beginning of talking about very, the very beginning of movies because you can tell whether or not it's a good movie or not. I think, and you have this like really you know happy song from the candy man singing to the kids giving them all their candy and then it pans over to charlie outside like just watching people have fun because he has to work he has to support his family <laughs> like that's so sad they, de- it, they definitely set up that charlie is kind of an outsider yeah um economically speaking and also like economically speaking he and also just like culturally he just doesn't seem to have any friends or anything he, his yeah. friends are his grandparents and mm-hmm. his mother i i agree though you could definitely tell i think a lot of times you could tell how great a filmmaker is or how great a director or the editing is just from the first couple of shots because it's the intro how this great is our direct- first experience what? into the film when you're a student filmmaker or a student yeah student filmmaker in college Mm-hmm. One of the things that most people do is their short films start with someone waking up Ugh. from waking up from from sleeping. And that's not a terrible way to start a film, but it's cliched. It's yeah. very typical. I, I've seen it so many times and I'm over it. Mm-hmm. So when you have a film that doesn't start off that way, that starts off more confidently, confidently, and it starts off with a tone already present, it's uh, it's pretty great. It makes me feel like I'm in it. Like I'm in, I'm in good hands. Like yeah. I'm in for a great ride. Yeah. And Willy Wonka and the chocolate and uh, the '71 version does that very, very well, excellently. Mm-hmm. Like it's the song's super catchy. I, yeah. I'm not even a crazy musical guy, as I as we have said from Little Shop of Horrors. I don't really care about musicals. I don't care about Sound of Music or Wizard of Oz films. We should probably do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care for these. I don't give a shit. I don't like it when people randomly break out singing. To me, it's just, I don't like it. This is one of those examples where I am very cool with this. It's, I it's like fun. It's a beat. It's, I love just the scene of kids eating candy. It's totally hits me and it totally hits my, in my inner child. And the song's catchy. The song is the song. candy making. Who can take a sunrise? And it's funny <laughs> because I have a very early memory of this song. But I didn't really? know it from, from from the from the Willy Wonka film. What, what was the memory? It's from Madagascar. <laughs> <laughs> There's a scene where they shot the lion. I forgot who played the lion in Madagascar, but they shoot him with a tranquilizer because he's out in New York. This is the first uh-huh. one, and then he's like going into this weird dream state where everything's like hallucinogenic. And, he, <laughs> and it's who could take and i remember chris rock voiced the zebra yeah. and the zebra's like dancing on his high legs doing this <laughs> weird dance and i and i haven't seen madagascar in years and you, <laughs> and funny. when i saw willy wonka for the first time instantly i was like oh that's from madagascar yeah. like the, this, this song <laughs> what's the matter with them Ow! 
I feel really, really weird. Hey! Oh, I love you guys. I love you so much. You can take a sunrise. Sprinkle it with you. The candy man. Oh, the candy man. Why? It's just that, but that's how catchy this song is. And mm-hmm. when you said that it was a popular song, I, shit, I'm not surprised. The, the, the score of this movie was nominated for an Oscar, but it lost to Fiddler on the Roof, which I, mm. I'm going to call bullshit on because that movie was a musical before. But maybe they they adapted the the music or they changed the. I don't know. I didn't dig in. Well, I mean, you could say the same thing about Little Little Shop of Horrors getting nominated. Well, they the, were nominated oh, for Best the Original Song, which was an original song for the movie. Okay, okay. And there's this scene that I forgot about. is when Charlie's coming home. He sees the Wonka factory, sees the letters light up Wonka. And then this weird dude goes up to him and recites this poem. Like, a, up above the mountain and down the misty glen, we dare not go a-hunting for fear of little men. No one ever goes in. No one comes out. What the fuck? He's got a bunch of knives and stuff. What the hell, man? You don't say that to a kid. I feel like out in the street. And he walks away backwards, right? So he's staring at Charlie while he's looking at him square in the eyes. Yeah. I could could go to my mother, have a bunch of knives in my hands. And as I'm walking away from her, staring at her, she might think I'm going to kill her. That's my own mother. It's just the creepiest thing. Yeah. Why would this man? Why would this man think it's okay to do that? Dude, I, the the way he the the phrasing of like we uh, fear of little we dare not go a hunting for fear of little men. So I'm like he's that's talking about, he's talking about the Oompa Loompas. Yeah. Right. So he knows. How does he know what the Oompa Loompas are? He must. I I, I think that it's, he is he, a he, employee of Willy Wonka. No, I, I mean, maybe, I guess. Yeah, potentially. And the, the phrasing of a hunting, the only other time, you know, when you put the A in front of verbs like that, do you know what I mean? No, I don't, I don't Instead know. Instead of saying, I'm going to go hunting, you you say, I'm going to go a hunting. Like you add the isn't extra. That, isn't that like what pompous white people do? Yeah. And it's also what Willy Wonka does on the boat ride. What does he say specifically? Uh, is it raining? Is it snowing? Is a hurricane a-blowing? Are the fires of hell a-glowing? Is the grizzly reaper mowing? You remember the boat ride scene? I'm gonna be honest with you. I really wasn't paying attention to the dialogue in that <laughs> But because I've I... seen the movie before, like, it, it stood out to me. Cause I, I don't remember this part. I'm gonna pay attention. And then the way he talks, I'm like, yo, he's... He's... He he's knows also... Willy Wonka. I don't know. Maybe potentially, but yeah, there's see, that's what I love about this movie is there's so much stuff in it that it doesn't explain it to you like directly, but you can kind of like piece together things for yourself. Yeah, I mean, what I really like that scene is just that it kind of it just sets up. It's just foreshadows. It's just setting up this mystery of who this man is and what is he about and why is this because this man just reminds me of like. The uh, the conspiracy theorist, the home, the one that everyone in the town thinks is crazy. But he's actually you know, like the, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like he just observes things. You know, he's mm-hmm. kind of like um, the guy from Sonic. 
where he's like, oh, the blue hedgehog, he runs really fast. And everyone's like, oh, hedgehogs can't <laughs> run that fast. That's that's this character. Yeah. But this film does a this film does a great job in the opening, just set up setting up this mystery and setting up the premise of this great man who was who had enough Mm-hmm. But is opening this opening up his factory again, and you're like questioning why, what happened, why is he doing it now, why is five, you know? And yeah, the first half of the film it takes forty minutes to get into the factory. Forty four minutes before forty four minutes. Willy Wonka opens the door, and you see Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka. Exactly. That's but the first time mm-hmm. where we don't see or hear from him. Uh, it's just people talking about this whole thing. And you see the mania of people going crazy yes. for these Wonka bars, it... for this Wonka candy. <laughs> and it's insane. This is a masterclass of how to set up the the second act. And... Or, no, like, just the second part of the film almost. Yeah, and the, they're all, all, like, the little bits are are still funny. You know, there's the, the, the com- guy who's building a computer that will oh tell him God. where the Wonka the, bar is. This movie is so funny. <laughs> It's and it's my type of funny. It's like British humor, which is like it's, in. It's because Roald Dahl was he's like the screenwriter of the movie, right? And he's a British guy. He's and like, it, it's this show screams so British, yeah. And I love it because it's so up my alley, and it just reminds me of this of comedy films that are rely on the dialogue and the chemistry and the setup and the punchline. It's oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I don't like improv in a lot of a lot of comedy. I don't like it. Sometimes it could be funny, it, unless you're an improv team. I don't really <laughs> think you should be improving. And this movie is a perfect example of having dialogue that is amazing. That's actually my favorite part of the film, is the writing. I I wonder how much it's yeah. so good and the jokes, because the first the first this this film is basically separated into two parts. Pre factory, yeah. In factory, there's you know it's you could say well the first act is this and the second act yeah but it's really one half one half mm. and the first half is setting up Charlie and him trying to find the, the the or not trying to find it but just kind of hoping he talking about winning the yeah. golden ticket he wants to hope and, that he 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 has hope and his grandpa exactly. like encourages his hope and the mom's like well he's he might not win he's probably not gonna win which is a re- I mean you know that's a reasonable thing to say you know. Yeah, I'm. I, sometimes you just have to lower expectations. Yeah. And the other part of the first half is about find learning about the other kids and getting a little bite-sized scene of what they're about. Yeah. And also how other people feel about mm-hmm. the competition and what they're trying to do to win. Yeah. And it is hilarious. You mentioned earlier about the guy who created the computer. That could find the remaining Wonka bars. And I'm assuming he's trying to sell it to potential investors or street businessmen who are like looking at him give his presentation. And then the machine is like, I'm not going to tell you where it is. <laughs> that would be cheating. And then the man goes, I am telling the computer that if it tells me where the Wonka bars are, I will share the prize with it. <laughs> and, and he's pushing the same buttons over and over. Asking multiple questions, pressing the same six buttons over and over again. And, and the computer responds, what is the, what is the computer supposed to do with Wonka bars? <laughs> <laughs> and this man is just sweating. And the guys he's pitching it to are not amused at all. Mm-hmm. That's that's one. The, the, the one that caught me off guard where I was dying. Oh, there, there the were ransom? two. There, huh? The yes. Ransom. 
The ransom is so funny. I'm sorry, Mrs. Curtis. Doesn't seem to be anything in his papers to give us a clue. They kidnapped my husband 12 hours ago. When are we going to hear from them? What do they want? Try to stay calm. They did it for ransom. All we can do is wait to hear their demands. I'll give them anything. Anything they want. All I want is to have Harold back. Go ahead. We're listening. What did they ask for? Whatever it is, they can have it. They want your case of Wonka bars. Miss Curtis, did you hear me? It's your husband's life or your case of Wonka bars. How long will it give me to think it over? What the f- <laughs> What the hell? I died, man. <laughs> I died. Oh. It, it, we should it, talk about- Huh? Wait, you go, uh, go ahead. It, it, what, you had the psychiatrist? Yes. The archangel told me where the Wonka bars is, and the psychiatrist is like, well, what did he say? What What does it matter? It's just a dream. Tell me, where are the Wonka bars? <laughs> But see what what I noticed this time around was that scene takes place that the the therapist has a German accent, right? Uh, with the I feel like it was on purpose that the German therapist precedes the scene where the German boy wins the contest, you know, wins one of the first golden uh, ticket. It would make sense, and th- this goes on where we're cutting between we're cutting between little self-contained story about people freaking out about the Wonka bars, Charlie and his grandpa, Joe, uh, back to an interview of one of the kids, back to Charlie, back to more, back to a self-contained story. Yeah. Uh, and then back to Charlie, then back to the, to the other kid that won building up the mystery of Wonka and establishing up. all the uh, kids. Should we talk about the kids? Uh, yeah, let's talk about them. They're all bad, but <laughs> they're all bad. I don't think, I don't think they're as hateful as in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's one of the differences. Uh, um, yeah, so the first one is Augustus Gloop. He's he's a big boy. You know, he likes to eat. How does the German? <laughs> yeah, there is Ver- Augustus Gloop. That's the Veruca boys. Salt. Veruca Salt, who is the rich girl. Her dad owns a nut factory, and he forced all of his workers to open Wonka bars all day until they found the golden ticket for her. And she is terrible. She screams. She wants everything now. And if she doesn't get it now, she's going to scream. But she's screaming anyway. She's probably the worst one. Yeah. And she's the only one who has a song. Yeah. Yeah. Or, well, the one that she sings. The other kids don't. They get a song. But the Oompa Loompas sing for them. Yeah. Violet has... Violet actually... Violet. Violet, Veruca. Veruca sings. Then you have Violet Bodegard who's like a super competitive gum chewer. Uh, she's the one that turns into a blueberry. Yeah. And she has a rivalry with somebody named Cordelia, who's yeah, also dude. a gum chewer. <laughs> and she's like, I have my best friend Cordelia. I beat her record. Hi, Cordelia. Look what I have, a golden ticket. Like, Did you notice that when <laughs> the factory doors o- gates open, she shouts out Cordelia? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. I'm like, you bitch. It's- Jesus Christ. It's that, First you take her title for gum chewer and now you're at the chocolate factory. Rubbing it in her face, calling her out. Oh my It's a small it's, town. She comes from a small town. They say that. <laughs> from Hope or uh Hope Falls, I think. Or is yeah. that no, that's Mike TV. Mike TV comes from Hope Falls or it's a small town in Cal in the of US, but yeah. she was she's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh and then alright, so that's 
one, two, three. And then the last one is Mike TV, who is obsessed with television, specifically cowboys, cowboys shooting people. He he's the one he's the kid that gets teleported from real life into the TV. Right. And he becomes all miniature. And one of his reoccurring jokes that I love in the film is that this 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 kid is yelling. But not like yelling like Veruca. Veruca's mm-hmm. yelling to annoy people. Yeah. Mike TV yells the way I yell. We're shouting because <laughs> we just because that's just who we are. We shout. Uh-huh. We speak loudly. The funny thing is, Mike TV. It almost sounds like Mike TV is uh is deaf from all the TV. Be- from all the TV, right? He doesn't even and stop he- watching TV while he's being interviewed. No, no, he doesn't, and he's he's watching it loudly. Yeah. So it's um it's funny because he keeps shouting throughout the entire tour. Not because he's he's not shouting like Veruca. He's just shouting because his voice is loud, and Willie constantly grills him on it. Mm. He's like, "Oh my god, this man's just fucking being sassy with this kid." And he says something to Wonka, and Wonka's uh Wonka realizes that he's loud and he just says i'm a trifle death in this ear speak a little louder next time <laughs> and he just constantly just says shit about just passive aggressively like yeah you're you're being loud <laughs> yeah oh fucking mike tv man T- did you get any other vibes from him at the beginning mike yeah vibe uh no. Like watching it in 2020, a guy who's addicted to watching cowboys shooting Indians, he wants a gun for himself, but he has to wait till he's 12. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I think I know where you're headed with this. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe. Yeah, Mike, 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 Mike TV might be like a prototype Proud Boy or something. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Nah, honestly, Mike TV from the 71 version, I don't think so. Potentially. I think he's just a kid who loves TV. I Honestly, I was probably Mike TV. <laughs> but Mike TV from the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory version, the 05 version. Oh, my God. That dude is an insult in the making. Yeah, definitely. Fuck definitely. that kid. <laughs> Punk ass bitch. Oh, oh yeah. my God. He's a little shit. He's constantly condescending. He's trying to outsmart everyone. He's one of those, um, actually, he's such a douchebag to his parents. He's so, he has such a temper, especially when he's playing video games. That dude is a fucking awful incel. He's just the worst. Ugh, Mike TV. Like, Mike TV from the 71 is like that annoying kid that once you leave, you're like, thank God. Mike TV from the 05 version is like, I want to kick this kid in the balls. I think that that kid is also a little detached from reality, too, you know, because he's always, you know, he has he takes those guns with him into the factory. Oh, and he, yeah, he, oh, totally. He but tries that, to well, shoot he, the, the bugs on the, the boat ride. <laughs> he, uh, he shoots Wonka. He tries to when shoot, he's, he pokes him in the stomach, that's right. Mike is just so detached from real life. But, you know, yeah. he, it's, he, I wouldn't say he's an awful kid. Yeah, he's kind of awful, but. He's awful. He's well. He's, he's going awful, to be an awful person. That's for sure. Yeah, potentially. He, you know, they could course correct. But man, I think Wonka that, did that for us. <laughs> but Mike TV from the 05. Ugh. Yeah. So did you notice how all of the kids were white? 
<laughs> Fuck yeah, I noticed. <laughs> Except for I also one. the one. I also noticed. I also noticed how the one ticket that was forged yeah. was from a fucking Latin American country. <laughs> But, oh, that also has one of the funniest lines in the film, where the newscaster is saying, and the fifth golden ticket was found today in Paraguay, and, uh, you know, obviously we're all very disappointed and uh, that we weren't the ones picked to go to the chocolate factory. But we have to remember that there's a lot more important things in life. I can't think of any right now, but <laughs> I'm sure there are. And he says it so straight-faced. <laughs> So straight face. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Dude, this dude is dying inside. He wanted that Wonga bar. The, the whole world's dying. That's what makes mm-hmm. this film so great. <laughs> That's what makes this first half so good. Yeah, and then when Charlie actually gets it, you feel scared for him, I think. Because all those people swarm him and you see his hands getting lost in the crowd. And his boss, his like newspaper guy is like, go, Charlie, go home. Don't tell anyone you've got the ticket. Go straight home. it definitely tells you that some people are capable of in a in a realistic film someone would have punched that kid out yeah someone would have Ooh, i mean i'm not saying i would (laughs) are you would you punch a kid for a golden ticket i mean you're being too quiet (laughs) you know i'd I'd like to think i'd like to say i'd like to think i wouldn't Oh, shit, I mean, you know. All right, so it's hard to say. Never say never. So I think that all of these kids were selected on purpose. This is welcome to Austin's corner. Where I'm not Austin alone in this. His, this. his conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy. It's reading the text. It's what you learned in film school. Uh huh. You're putting in the meaning. But go. Okay. T- why do you think these kids were picked? Convince me, Austin. Okay. I, I think my thesis is Charlie, no, not Charlie, Willy Wonka selected Charlie Bucket to be his uh, heir. He goes and finds four kids that are awful and that they are the kind of awful that he wants to demonstrate to Charlie not to be this person when you inherit my factory. Augustus Gloop is a glutton. Veruca Salt is spoiled and entitled. Um, Violet Beauregard is is so obsessed with her vice that it ends up potentially killing her. And Mike TV is like super detached from reality. Oh, wait, that you, doesn't that kind of sound like the seven deadly sins or something? I think there is, there is some like there's vanity, gluttony, envy, rage. Um, well, lust. I, that, that doesn't really, no, lust I, doesn't come in. I think some of them, there's some, um, uh, they do match up. Like if you sat there and looked but, at them, I think you could match them up. Well, pride would be pride would be Violet. Yeah. Greed would be Veronica. Veruca. 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 Uh, Gluttony would obviously be Augustus. Greed would be Veruca, right? Greed. Greed would be Veruca. Gluttony would be Augustus, and then you have Vanity for Mike TV. Oh, you also have. Oh no 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 Mike TV for Sloth. Sloth. Oh yeah, but I think Vanity I too, right? wrath or envy envy or no envy Van- vanity's is, is vanity's not. not one of them okay never mind <laughs> but it's so he would either be for sloth wrath envy or pride but they yeah. kind of match up they yeah kind they kind of. of and how fast does slugworth show up to these kids after they discover the golden ticket 
Well, he's there at every interview. He's there at every. You, you see him. Mm-hmm. He's there right when they find it, like when Veruca. <gasps> oh, oh, um, he's there at the factory with yeah. Veruca. But 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 if you notice, he's down on the floor when Veruca's father is talking to Veruca on the office, over overseeing all the workers. He's mm-hmm. in there. I noticed him in the yeah. viewing. Yeah, he's there. He's carrying boxes and stuff. And you know, like, at the end of the film, he's an employee of Willy Wonka. He's not actually the real Slugworth. And all the, these other kids are, like, high-profile kids, right? Slugworth intercepts Charlie on his way home. No one knows who Charlie is. But how does Slugworth know where to find him the second he finds the ticket from the candy store? I kind of figured that was just a plot hole that was never really answered. See, I think that's the lazy way. You know, it's like, oh, this is a plot hole. Just think it, make it make sense for the film, you know, try to do a little bit more work. And I think that, you know, some of these, quote, plot holes aren't really plot holes. They're just things for you to figure out. They're puzzles. So I think all these kids were selected by Wonka. And I think that even the candy man that works at the store must be involved, too, because he gives the winning one to Charlie. He suggests that he take it. Charlie wasn't even going to buy it. No, but Charlie turns. <clears throat> Charlie turns around and decides he's gonna buy something for his own grandpa Joe. Yeah, he wants. He buys the scrumdiddlyumptious bar, right? And then mm-hmm. the candy man's like, "Hey, you have some more left. How about a regular Wonka bar this time?" I don't know. What are the odds that in the same town that the factory exists in, this candy man has the winning bar that he decides to give to Charlie? He insists that he take this one. Eh, I I don't know because the thing because because that there's so much that could have gone wrong though because Charlie found the money because because Wonka would have to presume that Charlie would have to be at the right place at the right time and have the right amount of money to buy that Wonka bar because there's just way too many variables for it to have been like planned you know if maybe someone had bought had bought a chocolate bar for Charlie. And had given him that bar, you could pro- that that theory might have way more way more uh, stability. But as of right now, because the thing is, you're right. How did Slugworth in in quotes know to catch him there and stuff? Fair enough. And because he was at the other places, it probably was planned. But right. it's so and tough to the, the money because he found the money in the drain or in the sewage drain. He had to have gone into that particular store uh, in that moment in time. A store that's on his paper route. He's no stranger to that store. In fact, it's the first place we see Charlie looking through the window of that candy store. Shit, you're right. All right, and then think about how the kids are eliminated. Willy Wonka is not known for making gum, right? But he makes that gum and he holds it right in front of Violet's face. And if you watch that scene again, look how he looks at Violet Beauregard. He's tempting her on purpose because gum is her thing. And with Veruca, he knows that she owns a lot of animals. Mm-hmm. So he gets her a goose. A golden goose. That's like the a, that's like a fabled um, a gold laying goose. That's like a, a thing that exists in folklore for like rich people. You know, like the giants with the golden 
Isn't that the giant Jack and the Giant Beanstalk? Thing? Oh, I don't know, man. I, I guess I don't. I don't know the, too many of these fairy tales. Wait, and Mike TV is interested in TV, so he shows him the tele- the TV room. Yeah, and he shows Augustus Gloop a room where you can eat virtually anything. These kids were set up to fail. Maybe I don't. Oh, you kind of because. The, and the the thing that gets that gets uh, Charlie is 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 kind of like you can see parallels between that and the story of Icarus, right? He he gets too close to the sun, his wings burn off. It's a tale against being too ambitious, which is something you should worry about if you're going to inherit a chocolate factory, right? So when I watched it again, that's what I was thinking. Like, yo, these Willy Wonka is like a mad genius. Well, he he is a genius. Um, just even even from like a candy maker kind of sense. But I never really imagined that kind of story. I I never really thought of it that way. Yeah. Huh. I'm not the only one that thinks this. Like when I was um, I was trying to find out a little bit more about the differences between the book and the movie and why Roald Dahl disowned the movie. Um, and there's this person who wrote reviews online. Um, I have their web page. Yeah, they're like, you know, a regular person with a day job and wrote reviews for fun. Um, Morgan, Morgan R. Lewis. He's got a morganrlewis.wordpress.com. He has a review on Willy Wonka. And he kind of says the same things. So I mean, I'm not alone. I, this it's, <laughs> I get, I think it's these 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 theories and stuff are always fun to kind of guess because I know there's they're fun. I know there was like theories for like the Pixar universe. Um, for me personally, I never really found them too fun, or I never put too much import or not importance, but I never paid too much attention to them, just because like this is interesting to think about, especially if Willie had done it on purpose. It's fun to think that way, but eh, I mean. I don't I can't see I can't unsee it that way. I think he did it all, all on purpose. And when when Charlie wins, he's like you did it, you passed the test. I knew you could do it. I'm sorry I had to put you through put you through that, but I had to test you, you know. It, well, it, that that, that, could, that mean, could be taken that could be taken in two ways. That could mm-hmm. be taken as uh he's apologizing for yelling at him and or he, like if if he did recruit him from the beginning, apologizing for putting him through the entire trip. Yeah, well, I I interpreted the, you know, I apologize for putting you through this test. Um, that is interesting. I'm, I, I don't know. I, I, it's pretty, yeah. you know, <laughs> maybe, uh, you know. Um, regardless, even if it wasn't planned, I still really enjoyed the film. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's fun. I think it's great. I definitely wish I'd seen this as a kid. How do you feel about Gene Wilder's? performance oh he's the second best part of the thing for me what's the uh, first best, best part the dialogue oh yeah the, the dialogue the, the dialogue is the is the best part for me by far i think the writing in this is so good it's so clever the jokes um yeah. i mean it's tough it's tough to say because gene wilder is a close fucking second honestly it he could be the first best thing in the <laughs> film and the dialogue could be second because they're that close because yeah. he I'll say this. I think the best thing in the film is the dialogue. Because from the beginning, this this movie slaps. But Gene Wilder, when he comes in, does an amazing job. Yeah. From his intro, which he pitched. 
his intro mm-hmm. when he walks out of the factory with a cane pretending to be to have a limp or something and then falls over does a roll and gets up that was his pitch that was gene wilder's pitch to the director he said if i can't do that i'm not doing it wow and that just shows you how he was in tune with this guy mm-hmm. and we, just how of a how much of a th- this guy was walking the thin line between being this amazing warm caring uh businessman not businessman but like kind of father figure almost to a maniacal fucking mad scientist kind of thing did you notice how handsy he was with the kids sometimes yeah yeah i did like when he picked out mike tv's hair yeah uh and when he's almost smacked the kid's arm with the cane it's Mm -hmm. it's funny because there are moments where he shows that he genuinely cares but then also other moments where he's like ah fuck these kids he's constantly sassy to mike tv yeah constantly you you can make an entire supercut of willy wonka being super sassy and kind of a dick to these kids he says it with a smile on his face too exactly (laughs) and again one of the biggest memes out there is of wonka looking at you yeah kind of (laughs) condescending way almost but gene wilder and but at the end you still you genuinely believe that he cares for charlie and yeah. that he feels bad for kind of putting him in that in that situation, whether he's referring to yelling at him mm-hmm. and saying that he lost or the entire trip, depending on whether you believe uh, it was all set up. Uh, um, he has so much control in this movie. Like they he knows the kids are fighting behind him. He knows uh, Willie or not Willie, Charlie and Grandpa Joe stole the fizzy lifting drinks, even though he didn't see it. He yeah. knows that they did it. He knows so much, and it and he he just does a lot of things. It's a huge balancing act. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's being sarcastic, but he's also being funny. But he's also saying things that aren't jokes, but that are funny. Like when he leans over to the Oompa Loompa, he's like, "Oh no, I won't hold you responsible <laughs> for Mike TV's healthcare or you know whatever." Bro, when Mike TV it. shrinks, he swings the bag that he's in with yeah. no regard to his life. None. Uh, and you could say, well, he probably knew that the kids were going to be fine either way. Or you could say, eh, he, he didn't give a shit. I don't think those kids ever left the factory. I think they did. Okay. the No, he says multiple times they're going to be fine. I don't think I don't think Willy Wonka would genuinely kill those kids. I think he was definitely trying to trick them. I don't think he would want to kill them. Now, if they remade a version where Willy Wonka was a serial killer... <laughs> Then I'd be I'd be cool with that. Uh, a haunted house set in the chocolate factory. I'm cool with that. I like that. Um, and that's probably it's kind of what the Charlie of the Chocolate Factory one is, and that's why I really like it. <laughs> um, uh, but G Wilder, G Wilder's amazing. Uh, yeah, he's cast. Really this cast is great too. Even the kids. Did you know Charlie... none of the kids acted again except for the Veruca mm-hmm. Salt character? I thought Violet Violet Beaudegard. Oh, really? Acted. Was it Violet? Yeah, I think I saw her. I think she did some acting. Denise Nickerson, who passed away recently. Oh, she's the one that. Okay, maybe I was. I guess I was wrong. I thought it was the other but, one. But Veruca Salt. No, no, Veruca Salt. You're right. She did act. She, she. Uh, she I think she still acts. Yeah. Well, the the Charlie kid never acted again. No, that was his role in the role. It's a shame because he does a really good job. He's really good. Yeah. He, uh, what's his name? Um, Ostrom. Peter Ostrom. Uh, yeah, Peter. He does a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. He Charlie is super sympathetic. 
He has great expressions, especially for a kid. He's, you know, just someone who's curious. And he's there. All these kids act like children, and that's great. You know, the fact he did great, uh, you know, given the fact that they're kids. Yeah. You know, they're they're pretty good. Um, the I, I really like the Veruca Salt uh, girl. I think she's really good. I think that the character that's that bratty can be really annoying, really fast, really fatiguing. But there's something there's that one part where she's being a brat and she's licking the, the wall and then Willy Wonka grabs her face and he says, like, do you remember what he says to her? Oh, um, we're the dreamers of the dream. Yeah, we we are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams. And then, then the, the scene ends there. <laughs> it's so... Oh, ugh. it's snozberries. Who ever heard of a snozberry? Yeah. And, well, that's the weird thing. This man goes from, like, he shifts gears so much. Yeah. And the kids just look confused but kind of entertained. It's pretty great. Uh, yeah. Veruca Salt does a good job. I... You know, with these characters that are intentionally annoying. Yeah. It's funny because they could elicit an annoyed reaction from the audience, mm-hmm. which you could argue that's the point. But you don't want your audience too annoyed. Because yes. at that point, they're hating the film. Yeah. they're Not Veruca Salt. She walked that line where she is annoying. You get it. But she's kind of fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. When she's... And her song, <laughs> yeah. her song's pretty great. I mm-hmm. like. Uh, okay. Uh, and this is one thing I'll say about the film. I'm not crazy about the music. What? I'm crazy about... I like three songs a lot. Candyman, Pure Imagination, Mm -hmm. and Veruca's Song. Those are the three that I listen to, and I'm like, yes, they are great. I don't like any of the songs with the Oompa Loompas. Uh, We should talk about the Oompa Loompas. How How do you feel about the Oompa Loompas in the 1971 version? They're cute. Maybe that's not the right way to say it, but, uh, you know, they look cool. They're... I like their makeup. They look very um what the fuck? How do I say? As uh they look cool. They look Even cool. Like <laughs> I don't know. It look cute. That's already kind of like, uh, why are you saying they look cute, George?" Yeah, I don't why know, are man. Saying... But they look, they they look cool and uh, with their green hair and orange skin, they look kind of odd. It's just like, "What are they, where are they from?" From Loompa Land. Um, which okay, I'll take it. Do you, do you like them? Do you dislike them? How do you? I, uh, I, I'm fine. Fine. They're they're nowhere near my favorite part of the film, uh. But I like how Wonka interacts with them. I yes. Like some of the things that they do. I do. Uh, I like how they they seem to take pride in their in their jobs. And it, there's that one Oompa Loompa in the inventing room who's like taking notes on the stuff. So it feels like yeah. they have well, a the, hand. Well, the puffs of air. Yeah. <laughs> What the fuck are you taking notes for? It feels like they have a hand in the creation of of these things. And maybe they share in the profits. I don't know. They don't really say. Well, it's more that he's protecting them. uh, Yes. Because they were in danger. They're refugees. uh, Because they're they're killed by those animals, by the score. What are they called? I don't know. The swash. The flobwimps. You just make uh, up words. <laughs> I will say I do prefer Charlie and the, the O5 version of the Oompa Loompas. Really? But, yeah, kind of. But I, it is also still conflicting. Because one of the one of the things that people say ask about the 71 version is, are the Oompa Loompa slaves? Yeah. Which I never got the impression. It seems like they're helping him. They're working with him. He takes care of them. He says the thing where it's like, I won't hold you responsible for what happens to this little shit. 
So it doesn't. That's not how you talk to someone that you you're like above them. You know what I mean? Right. Um. He speaks kind of earnestly of them. It's like ah, I want to protect them, and they were being killed, and I brought them here, and I, you know, I take care of them, and I like they're they have a hand in the in the chocolate and stuff. In the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory version, it's kind of the same thing. What he seems Except to really are, care. They're all the same person. They're all the same person, which is one thing I like. I do not um, like that. It's uh, it, they all look like the same person. They're played by uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Deep Roy. They bring that over where Wonka really cares about his uh, cares about the Oompa Loompas. But in the flashback, there's a flashback where Willy, where we see Johnny Depp's Willy Wonka go to Oompa Loompa Land and Loompa find. Land. Lumpalet, yeah, whatever you know. It's important. Uh, I'll tell you why in a second. Well, when he goes to Lumpaland, he goes. He he's finding. He's trying to find taste and new taste and stuff for his candy. And he meets the Oompa Loompas and he says, "Hey, you guys like cocoa? The cocoa bean? Um, I have a bunch of cocoa bean. If you guys want, I could pay you in that, and you work for me. I pay you in cocoa bean. Yeah, but the weird. Th- that's kind of a weird thing." It's kind of like and they're not all, being paid. Kind of. Um, I mean, they do really like the cocoa bean, but... They worship the cocoa just, bean. It's got like a weird vibe to it because he's also dressed in like kind of old colonialism. Yes, exactly. Costume. And it just feels a little odd. It's, you know, yes. he's dressed like the hunter from Jumanji. Mm-hmm. The bad guy from that movie. The bad guy from that movie. So I'm just like, oh, this... Just a... Just a bit weird you know and it's kind of like like willy wonka johnny depp understands that the cocoa bean is just a cocoa bean it's an ingredient it's a food that you put in stuff right so the fact that he's paying for them and kind of maybe potentially exploiting them for their service so they believe in a cocoa bean it's just kind of like a weird thing which look in the grand scheme of things none of this really matters we're overthinking it we're not overthinking it I, but there's a potential that we are, because maybe Tim Burton's like, eh, Mm-mm. I didn't really mean it that way. It's people want to see Oompa Land. Fine. No. So Oompa Land. Th- okay, so in 1964, when the book was written, the Oompa Loompas were not orange. They were black. They were black pygmy people from Africa <sighs> that were imported into the Willy Wonka factory. That's Willy Wonka's words in the 64 book. Imported. They are straight up slaves. When they tried to make the book into a movie, the filmmakers knew that this is problematic because people will see through that. You know, they'll see that it's it's racist and they wanted to, like, not offend anybody. So they turned them into a, a fictional made up people from a fictional made up land where they were attacked by all these, like, weird animals. And now they're refugees working in the factory. And we don't hear how they're paid or compensated for their work. That was an intentional choice. And honestly, a wise one. Why set... And that's 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 the thing with the Charlie one. Why set yourself... Why set these things up? Because now we're going to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Like, like me. Oh, why is he dressed like a French colonial guy? Like, why is... You know, why did they praise the cocoa bean? It's just... You're, you're opening yourself up to a lot of questions that don't need answered. And don't... You know what I mean? Yes. It's just like... Why you do this? And I will y- say the fact is, huh? like Roald Dahl, the writer of the book, he didn't change the Oompa Loompas until 1973, two years after the movie, yeah. and he changed them to be hippies. 
little white white people hippies oh god just make them like the film he hates the film he would never change them to the film he just borrowed the idea of (laughs) they and the wording i think they might have changed the wording uh import to transport there's a, a whole essay about the depiction of oompa loompas um from a uc berkeley graduate student um and then he talks about how he changed them in 1973 because the NAACP and you know civil rights groups were like, hey, these Oompa Loompas are problematic. You know, you're glorifying imperialism and slavery. So he caved and, and changed it in 73 because he wanted to write the sequel, Charlie and the Glass Elevator. I mean, um, good on them for speaking out. Um, and honestly, it may have not been out of the willingness of his heart but fuck it good thing he changed it man because uh that's just uh doesn't need to be there you know it's a movie about fucking candy and being good of heart why the fuck are you bringing in uh fucking slaves you know what i mean why are you yeah. bringing slaves into this it's, there's, it's uncalled for just fuck just fucking change it you hate the movie but just make them orange just that take that from the fucking film that's all you gotta do so don't just uh <laughs> So the essay goes on to analyze the use of an Indian actor for the 2005 version. Mm-hmm. And they, they go by like, uh, uh, so in 64, it was the white anxiety of ethnic labor force taking white jobs. And in 71, they didn't want to talk about any of that at all. So they made them fictional orange people from a made up land. And then in 73, he says that they're hippies because the hippies rejected the, the college the language in the essay is knowledge factory, which okay. <laughs> turning people into um, like businessmen working in corporate America. See, he changed them to hippies. To, I don't know. It's it goes really like into it. it's a fourteen page essay, and then in two thousand five, he says that the change to Indian actors it's kind of reminiscent of uh, a lot of labor forces like call centers being set up in india so that the new workforce is indian what do you what do you think about because did you read the thing i read read i read the 14 pages it was it was a lot but i'm like hmm that's interesting do you think think it's like it makes sense or do you think they're just kind of because you can pull a lot you could if you really look into something you could pull a lot of shit out of there and it may not be the intention so i'm definitely curious i mean some uh, of it did make sense because the the deep roy his portrayal of the First of all, all of the Oompa Loompas are the same. So it's yeah. kind of like you're saying all these brown people are the same. You know, all their individuality is taken away from them. Whereas mm-hmm. the Oompa Loompas in the 71 version are all played by different actors, different nationalities. And there's one of them is even a woman. I didn't know that watching yeah. the movie. But yeah, in the 2005 version, it's like these they're all the same person. They're all there to be funny. It feels like they're there to be like funny brown people. You know what I mean? Because the only <sighs> other brown person in the movie is this goofball prince that orders a chocolate castle, and when the castle starts to melt, where does the first oh, yeah. where does the first drop hit him? Oh, it hits him on the forehead. Mm-hmm. Oh, where uh, I, I don't know what it's called, but uh... it's like a chocolate castle for an Indian prince. It looks like the Taj Mahal. Yeah, I but guess. The, the drop falls on his forehead. Isn't that like? Isn't that where like some like uh, some people put like a like a ruby or a diamond there? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, what it it's is. part of Indian uh, Hindi culture. It's a, called a bindi. It's culturally significant for Hindu people. 
that's the that's the that's the reason it's offensive in this movie because it's kind of used to make fun of them for for having it you know that's interesting i didn't even i didn't even think about that when you watched the 2005 version you weren't like um excuse me i thought that we that whole story was weird i hate it. it's like it's it, just it was it just like a me... weird like okay i guess but i never even thought about uh, what's it called the bindi yeah i think the the bindi's the one that you you see on women there might i think uh, there's one i'm not sure what it's called but i've i've seen it I'm not too. Uh, I'm not too sure what it's for, uh, mm-hmm. but I didn't even think about the piece of chocolate landing on there, kind of being kind of, almost in a way like um, recalling that particular dot. I, I I don't know if dot's like the correct way it's of a, saying. I it, think Bindi but, um, is what you're supposed to call it. Bindi. So I didn't think about the chocolate landing on there being recalling the Bindi, but now now that you say it out loud, I'm like, oh shit, yeah. Yeah, I think it's there um, the, the, to like to make fun of Indian people. Maybe not. Uh, I mean, and like the drop, it, it could have fallen anywhere, right? Why does it have to hit him right in the forehead in that specific yeah. spot? You know, the way I, the way I, I didn't actually think of it that way, but I always did imagine that Tim Burton has a uh, has a difficult time trying to get uh, diverse casts. He always, always has, has no interest in it. He said that in interviews. I read the interview. Yeah. What is? Do you remember the he, uh, the quote? he's uh i don't remember the actual quote but i saw it a long time ago someone asked him he's like i uh i think uh, black or people of color don't fit my aesthetic or something like that yeah that was it (laughs) that was it it's like and he said that and i'm like bro sweetie todd is basically all black like the color palette Uh, what what do you what do you edward scissors hand a nightmare of your your whole aesthetic's black bro but not black like, and white it's like goth black though <laughs> yeah like I, I just i i get it but it's still like black people don't fit my aesthetic it's like what, what the fuck does that mean yeah i don't it's it's very problematic it's uh, a it's a weird statement mm-hmm. maybe he maybe you know what maybe he didn't mean it that way but man but when you when definitely you, they came out that way when you hear that and you see how the story of the indian prince that really doesn't serve any purpose to the movie. It doesn't. It's it's a it's an aside story that it's like reminiscent of the original one, but it doesn't really, you know, why would it's like this prince wouldn't think that chocolate would melt. What and it's f- weird that they we're getting in, we're going in deep on this part, but he Grandpa Joe brings this up after he tells Charlie that Willy Wonka invented a kind of ice cream that would never melt in the sun. Probably well. That's probably why Willy Wonka invented that, but I, you know, a little too late. But, so, like, um, why does Grandpa Joe say that and then immediately go into a story of this castle that doesn't that does melt when Willy Wonka mm-hmm. has the technology to make it not melt? It's it's just really awkward, and I don't like it. It's a, it's it's kind of it feels a little out of place. I I enjoy the Willy Wonka interpretation from Charlie. Now that you said all of that, it's like, huh? I never thought of it that way. The reason I really like the Willy Wonka, the the Oompa Loompas from the Charlie one is because it feels like they're they do more than they're just working. It feels like he lives with them, he he interacts with them. They each have different roles in the factory, that they're not just making candy. Like you have, like they're also the, test subjects. Um, no, but not like they're also psychiatrists. They're also like he That's talks true. to psychiatrists. He's a psychiatrist. He's the. We find out at the end that the Oompa Loompa is narrating the film. Um, I mean, they're not even using they, his voice. They're using Christopher Lee. Yeah, 
Um, and it's just kind of like, well, it, it you know, it's funny reveal, but it's like they have way they have way more of a presence in this world, and they actually like, you know, they're with Willy Wonka on a day to day basis because I think one of the biggest changes, the biggest difference in both films is Willy Wonka's interpretation. Yeah, the Gene Wilder one and Johnny Depp are completely different. Same character, way different. Completely different interpretation. And I think that the wink that the Oompa Loompas being a bigger part in the Depp version uh, is more important because in the Depp version, he's kind of a loner. Whereas Willy Wonka in the 71, yeah, he's a loner, but it seems like he's not, he doesn't have daddy issues. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of part of it. And so I think that's why I really like the Oompa Loompas. But now that you mentioned that, um, there was like a weird, there's a weird history to the Oompa Loompas. So I'm like, huh? Yeah. Uh, he, they changed it on purpose to avoid any like offending anybody in 1971. Which is a smart, which is a smart move. And smart then, move on the filmmakers. In 2005, they changed them back to a identifiable ethnic group, and then you have that whole backstory where you're kind of just there to laugh at their culture, right? With the, with well, the you're, you're, yeah, the, you're kind of amused like cocoa beans, and it's yeah. like. Yeah, that that's just a weird scene, and also the the laugh with the caterpillar just uh, it's a it's a weird scene. Yeah, and the, compared to the Willy Wonka one, where when he says like all these things are like attacking them and killing them by the dozen by the score, it kind of sounds like he and the Oompa Loompas are kindred spirits in some way. That he feels like people were after him because of his like invention, and and he he finds that in common with the with the Oompa Loompas, just in how Gene Wilder uh, read the line. Yeah, how he plays it. Lumpaland. Lumpaland. There's no such place. Excuse me, Mr. Dear lady. Wonka. I am a teacher of geography. Oh well, then you know all about it, and what a terrible country it is. Nothing but desolate wastes and fierce beasts. And the poor little Oompa Loompas were so small and helpless, they would get gobbled up right and left. A wang doodle would eat ten of them for breakfast and think nothing of it. And so I said, come and live with me in peace and safety, away from all the wang doodles and horn swagglers and snoz wangers and rotten, vermicious knids. Snoz wangers? Vermicious knids? What kind of rubbish is that? I'm sorry, but all questions must be submitted in writing. And so, in the greatest of secrecy, I transported the entire population of Oompa Loompas to my factory here. So I feel like they have more... They're not slaves in, in that one. Damn. And they don't now really... I have to re- yeah. Now I have to rewatch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory again. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Go for I, it. I think that was all I wanted to say about the Oompa Loompas. I like their songs better in the Charlie one. Because they're short. They have really short cool i don't know cool isn't the right word they have really short and interesting dances and i like the way they move around and how they're synchronized right they had to train to do that and it was kind of hard to train them to do that did you read about that a little bit i read that they couldn't a lot of them weren't english speakers yeah so some of them couldn't they they had to try to mouth a different language Mm -hmm. that they weren't familiar with yeah i read an article like an editorial what do you think? Editorial is the one where anybody can write? I don't fucking know. I don't. Shit. Let's just call it an editorial. There's an article in The Guardian written by one of the Oompa Loompas, the original Oompa Loompas, called My Life as an Oompa Loompa. 
And he talks about how there was a language barrier and they had to learn all these dances and they had to learn how to lip sync and they didn't understand the language. And so it was it was a struggle to get those scenes in. And then he talks about how that movie kind of, you know, a lot of them, the the world for little people opened up because they could now be actors and play these creatures and dwarves and elves and all so, these so, fantasy So it films. had a positive effect. It had a positive effect for, for little people, yeah. But as time goes on, now they're like CGing, like, you know, what's the normal sized act? I don't know how to say it. Actors no, who don't sized. have dwarfism. Yeah. They're CG, like, remember Snow White and the Seven Dwarves? Like, those dwarves were not little people. They were actors who were, like, had their faces superimposed over little people. Yeah. You know? So work kind of dried up for them. And now they only used one little person to play all of the Oompa Loompas. Well, and that's the, I, that's the weird thing. I mean, from a, I imagine from a technical standpoint, you would want, because I think it, technologically and uh, ethically, there you have you're on different boards because you you have a large cast of little people, and you have to you want to cast the actors that are the best ones, uh, but maybe there's just something about them that ah it's just ah you know you you don't you don't look right for this part and you know what I mean. Um, but you kind of got to roll with the punch. I mean, the way they did in the original with the 71, they couldn't find actors, yeah, uh, little people actors. So they had to find foreign uh, international ones and they couldn't speak English. So they had to sometimes the dubbing was bad. Sometimes the lip syncing was bad. Mm. You could tell. And the choreographer wasn't used to doing choreography for little people. So like there's in one of the songs, one of the Oompa Loompas does a cartwheel. And it just looks weird, but you gotta take into account well, that their and that's limbs a, are different. That's a safety because that's a safety concern too, because you're communicating to people that yeah. don't speak the same language as you, and it's like, hey, don't do this because if you're gonna you're gonna back backflip it into this hole and it's gonna take you mm-hmm. to the garbage chute and you're gonna <laughs> die unless it's, you know, not the day that it's supposed to be lit. You, you stuff shit like that, <laughs> but but so on that hand, and I can understand someone saying, look, we have the technology to make it safer we have the technology like you really like the look of this one person and you want this person to be everyone well that's gonna cut costs and or yeah how do you do synchronized dancing with one actor is a really easy (laughs) yeah literally copy paste but i think there's just kind of like a, a mentality that you have more control in what you want oh i want this person to be this because i think they fit the right part well they're not they're not a dwarf Ah, it's okay with technology. We can make it fit. You know what I mean. But then you're eliminating and that chance for a little act, little person actor to exactly. play. Exactly. It's so it's a uh, it. You know, there's. Are you willing to give up control, or are you willing to give up um, being more diverse? And I think it, it it does not it does not surprise me that a lot of directors are choosing control over diversity, because. You know, that's what they, they're they the director and I have a vision and I want to yeah. see it like this. But like the best movies are, you know, there's collaboration, you know? Yeah. And well, and I mean, shit, you, you could say that Willy Wonka wins over Charlie. Um, yeah. And the Oompa Loompas are orange skinned and green haired and they're played by different actors and some of them don't speak English. But 
the film was well received. And Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you have someone who has a lot of control and people kind of uh, aren't too nice to that film. Yeah. Well, they um, and a lot of people went to see it when it was in theaters. But I think in now, like 15 years after the fact, I think people people like Willy Wonka more than yeah that is that is the thing i've i mean i just in my own inner circle i know every no one prefers charlie over willy wonka i feel like i'm the only positive one i i think i i'm i'm happy with charlie whereas i spoke to you spoke to my close friends none of them none of them are like they either waiting from i haven't seen it don't really want to or eh, it's okay or i hate it and it's like wow i did want to mention one more thing about willy wonka but mm-hmm. I, oh, it was about Roald Dahl. Do you know much? You don't know much about him, right? No, not too much. Well, he has, you know, he has like this, you know, huge legacy of writing all these children's books that everybody read, everybody's read or have seen adaptations of those books, right? But he wasn't, it doesn't sound like he was that good of a person in real life. He's mm-hmm. said to be a misogynist. He's like kind of a womanizer. You can see examples of his misogyny in his writing because he likes to make a lot of ugly female villains <laughs> that are always very ugly and repulsive. You know, he goes into depth on how ugly they are. And he's kind of an anti Semite. Have you heard? <laughs> Oh, really? I, I shouldn't say kind of. He's, he says it. Yeah, I, I'm very... Wait, wait, he said? Yeah. Let me read you... Oh, man. Let me read you this quote. Yeah, so someone wrote this this uh, piece on The Insider, Jacob Shamus, Shamashian? Shama, Shamsian. Jesus. In 2016, and he talks about how he was a kid and he loved Roald Dahl books. But then he found out that he's an anti-Semite and now he can't like reconcile with it. He's really conflicted because he loves these these books and the movies and stuff. Um, here's, let me read the quote. Ah, Dahl told the new statesman that Hitler had his reasons for the Holocaust. And this is the quote. There is a trait in the Jewish character that does provoke animosity. I mean, there's a reason why anti-anything crops up anywhere. Even a stinker like Hitler didn't pick on them for no reason. Jesus Christ. I am certainly anti-Israel, and I have become anti-Semitic. Wait, what? <laughs> he told the, the oh, Independent shor- mother. shortly before he died. He said he t- said that to somebody. and Hitler had his reasons? Yep. Dude, what the fuck? And he wrote the screenplay for this movie, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It's, no. a, it's a goofy fantasy movie. It's something that like I've always heard of. But I'm like, I don't, <sighs> I don't care. But there's a scene in the movie featuring a character that didn't exist in the original book, which was written by the James Bond author. Um, Ian Fleming? Yeah. Called The Child Catcher. Like, There's a character called The Child Catcher. Um, and he added this character into the movie. And let me just show you the scene real quick. And you tell me if this man is an anti-Semite or not. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. What's with the fucking nose? Yeah. 
And what does this guy do? He like lures kids in with candy and takes them away. Yeah. And he wrote the screenplay for this. He added this character into the, the screenplay. Yeah. Which it wasn't in the original book. Was not in the original book. Oh, what the fuck? <sighs> yeah. Roald Dahl was an anti-Semite. And now I'm like recontextualizing some of... Because he hated the movie, right? He hated that the Oompa Loompas were different. He didn't like this the music in the movie. And he didn't like the director. And he had strong reservations about Gene Wilder playing Willy Wonka because he thought Willy Wonka should be an eccentric British man. Was Gene Wilder Jewish? Yes. Oh, of of course. Now, I can't find it that he hated him because he was Jewish specifically. but But, But read the motherfucking article, bro. God damn, of course. There's no doubt in my mind. I mean, look, look they're Hobbs like, is very ni- 95%. I'll give you 5% that maybe he didn't know. But Jesus, man. This yeah. man said it. He said, yeah. look, and he, look, and you know what? Just, <clears throat> just four shins and giggles. Let's just say he didn't even know what anti-Semite means, right? There's no way you can't know, right? You know what that means. But let's just... Mm-hmm. Just, just for five seconds, just give this man the benefit of the doubt. This dude said that Hitler had his reasons. Mm-hmm. What the fuck, bro? This. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, there's, God. There's a story of these Jewish kids writing a letter to Roald Dahl asking him why he hates them. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, I forgot no. what his he, he responded to them. I don't remember what he said, but. He gave kind of like a non-apology, if memory serves. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm thinking that he he did a non-apology because of all the other stuff he said. Does this sound familiar to anyone? A big <laughs> famous author author that's out in the news right now that created a beloved kid children fran- and, book franchise that just said some shit that they shouldn't have, and they doubled down on it. And it's funny that you say that. Because J.K. Rowling, you know, years after the books are finished, says to everybody, by the way, Dumbledore was gay. <laughs> yeah. 2017, Roald Dahl's widow. <laughs> she says, you know, Charlie was supposed to be a little black boy. Oh. <sighs> Do you believe that? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> hell in 27. Hell no. Oh, yeah, my God. They said that the agent didn't think that'd be a good idea. People would ask why. Why? Just why? I never read the, the Harry Potter books. Uh, so Dumbledore being gay, I'm like, I, I guess is that supposed to recontextualize everything. I don't I don't know. Maybe. 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 I, I haven't read the book. So maybe, you know, you're supposed to reread scenes between him and Voldemort. It's like, oh, they're they're lovers. who used, you know, I, I think it's just <sighs> virtue signaling. In the case of JK, I don't fucking know, man. Again, I've never read the books. I haven't been on part of more enough to look through the forums and read what people have to say. But in this case, bullshit. I haven't read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the book. But goddamn, in 2017, yeah. this woman comes. Maybe, maybe if she had said it in 2000, or you know what I mean, or yeah. maybe. Okay, there's the perhaps a stand chance that yeah, maybe Charlie was meant to be gay, or uh, pff, get my, Charlie was meant to be black. Sure, <laughs> fine. 
I guess. I don't know what you're adding to the but in 2017 bullshit. Fuck out of here. I think this is the most I've cursed in any of our podcasts. <laughs> uh, yeah. God, after Top Gun, we just find shitty things about these films, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. And uh, I I still like Willy Wonka, and I still yeah. like Top Gun. It's just... Uh, it makes me <sighs> like Willy Wonka more, because, like, they... The things that, you know, that you... That we like about the movie, or at least that I like about the movie, is the music and Gene Wilder and... I like the, the way they changed the Oompa Loompas. And yeah. those are things that Roald Dahl doesn't like about it. And hes I feel like he's mad that someone took his thing and turned it into something else. Made it accessible to other people. Yeah. And the music <sighs> that... He thought the music was, I think the word is sat, saturin, Like too sweet. Like it's too saccharin. sentimental. Saccharin, yeah. Too sweet, too sentimental. But like that's the point. Like... People will hear those songs and start crying because it, it hits like something like deep in their soul. You know, it's a fantasy world where if you're a good kid, you know, you you have this wonderful place where happiness is made, where candy, you know, and you have songs and, you know, it, it's, a, it's a hug. So, yeah, you know, I. And there's still like darkness in there, too. Like there's some. Oh, yeah, it's there's some fucked up stuff. But it's, yeah, it's it's got everything. How did you like the chocolate factory, Charlie? I think it's the most wonderful place in the whole world. I'm very pleased to hear you say that because I'm giving it to you. That's all right, isn't it? You're giving Charlie the. I can't go on forever, and I don't really want to try. So who can I trust to run the factory when I leave and take care of the Oompa Loompas for me? Not a grown-up. A grown-up would want to do everything his own way, not mine. That's why I decided a long time ago that I had to find a child, a very honest, loving child, to whom I can tell all my most precious candy-making secrets. And that's why you sent out the golden tickets. That's right. So the factory's yours, Charlie. You can move in immediately. And me? Absolutely. What happens to the, the rest whole of whole family. I want you to bring them all. But Charlie, don't forget what happened to the man who suddenly got everything he always wanted. What happened? He lived happily ever after. first part awesome austin yep it was sure was didn't feel like three hours of conversation that's the that's the that's the art and beauty of editing austin i wish i could edit conversations that i'm in in real time oh that would be great man oh i'd be like reversing so much <laughs> yeah. like oh i bet somehow you'd still find a way to be canceled oh absolutely uh, you know, I'd have to <laughs> go over a conversation like six times and I, I'm still bound to say something stupid. But yeah, thankfully, I could do that for these episodes. So, guys, thank you for listening to our part one of our Willy Wonka discussion. Come back next week for the second part where we really get into the nitty gritty of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory versus Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I, I'm kind of, I'm picking a dog in a, oh no, I shouldn't say that.
I got a dog in but a fight. You... <laughs> That's the expression, though. But you're lifting that from somebody else. Well... I was thinking because it's a dog fight, and that's not cool. That's not, you know, that's not kosher, right? It's not. But Austin and I have very different opinions about these films, or about the very different yeah. about the about the new one. And we we go newer. It, that movie's old. Like the the freaking good doctor is a kid in that movie. <laughs> oh, he is right. Uh, Nor the feature Norman Bates. Well, and... that kid. Went on to be a poor little kid in some pseudo-European country and winning the chocolate factory to becoming a serial killer and then somehow getting autistic and becoming a doctor. So, I don't know. A, a doctor with autism. Yeah. So, somehow he's done it all. And it was 2005. It's, what, what year is it now? 2021? I can't tell. 2021. Yeah. Shit, what's the math? How long has that been? I feel like we should get New Year's after COVID, like just start over. Yeah, it's been sixteen years, so that kid has accomplished a lot more in sixteen years than you and I have. Cause he—that's for damn sure. He got a chocolate factory, murdered a bunch of people, murdered his mom, I think, and then got a new identity and became a doctor. But either way, we next week's episode we get into it. So please keep an eye out for the second part of our Willy Wonka special episode. We'll see you guys next week. See ya.